From the album Four Women, the Nina Simone Phillips recordings, that was Nina Simone with the track Old Jim Crow. Welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a topical solution for the political revolution, a soundtrack for the resistors, the agitators, and the fighters working for a better world. If you want to make a recommendation or send me a message, head over to polyrical.com where you'll find a link to send an email. You'll also find a link there to recommend a song, a topic, or an artist for a future episode, and a link to make a donation to keep this podcast free and independent. Here is the artist Grove from the album Queer and Black EP, This is Black. Divine channeling ocean Switch up the vibe, we talking Angelou Talking Angela Davis when we're on the move This is a movement, not a moment Like OB said, gotta fight for the living Not just cry for the dead Black to me is culture, prosperity Black to me is a unique kind of energy The black in me comes from matriarchs of family See I got it from Pearl and I got it from Christy Like Lazarus, we out looking sharp, looking pristine Black, 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 black
is the power, black is the color, black is way more than the word that you utter, it's deeper than me calling you my sister or brother, black is the movement, let's love one another, see black is the roots coming from my grandmother, deep and strong, you can't take me for no sucker, try to take my history of that, you can't strip me, try and violate then everything I get grizzly. Ting get mad up, some boy get bad up, see me on street dress cold, that's black up, racist boy up to send for the back up, no long talk me now, you know we not chat up, righteous step anytime me roll out, 100% now me never hold out, walk with pride never in a no doubt, say walk with pride never in a no doubt, black, that blackness, that black power, that black, to me we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world. Black is the power, black is my skin, deep are the roots that is within black. And that will bring us to our topic of the episode. The topic of the episode for this episode is essential workers. All too often, it takes a crisis to cut through the socialized propaganda that we consider reality and help us to better understand the actual reality in which we are living. For example, in the U.S., we had an understanding of our safety and security built up by years of educational and media propaganda prior to 9-11 that was drastically altered by 9-11. Reality itself didn't change. We were not less safe on 9-12 than we were on 9-10. But the event shook loose some of the built-up layers of our misunderstanding of reality. So with COVID-19 have the false fortifications of who and what is important for our functioning society and economy been shaken and dislodged. The term essential workers has grown from being rarely heard outside of the disaster response field to being ubiquitous and our understanding of who is essential has undergone a significant transformation. This should move us to a concerted examination of how we fulfill our needs in a modern society, an explosion of assessment, criticism, and the rise of alternative structures and methods of organizing in order to fulfill our needs. But the existing system has such an inherent, powerful capacity to resist change that this will happen, as usual, only on the margins. But what has broken past those margins, thanks to the crisis, is a truer understanding of who are the essential workers in our economy. Humans need food, clothing, and shelter as the most basic needs to survive, and of course much more than that to sustain us socially and intellectually, but we'll start with the basics. 
Who provides these things in a modern society? The capitalist myth that is part of the great facade cracked by the COVID-19 crisis is that we each provide these things for ourselves through the falsehood described often as rugged individualism. We individually procure the means, usually money, of obtaining our basic needs through the market. The market, the propaganda continues, is built upon the principles of fairness and competition. This is bullshit. Every type of economy is an interdependent series of cooperative interactions. Some roles in each economy are more essential for the fulfillment of basic human needs than others. In fact, huge, huge swaths of the labor that's expended in our modern economy in our modern society, is unnecessary for the survival and thriving of our species. So we have learned a bit better that the food producers, the food preparers, and food transporters are among the most important or most essential workers in our modern society. These are things that the vast majority of people no longer do for themselves and, as such, are fully reliant on other people's work in order to survive. On a side note, that gives tremendous power to those workers, power that is overwhelmingly suppressed by the system to prevent them from recognizing their power, working together and rising up. Having peeked behind the facade, we now see and cannot unsee, though the propaganda will continue to resist acknowledging the reality, that farmers and field workers, food processors and transporters, and people working at the point of sale, be it grocery stores, convenience stores, restaurants, or online, are essential workers. They cannot stop their work without the great risk of many people suffering. This understanding is a breakthrough. These workers commonly among the least well-compensated and most marginalized workers are as important to the function of society as the workers who provide and maintain water, electricity, and communications infrastructure. It is long past time we recognize this essential work and compensate it accordingly. Here is Mark Gunnery and Ryan Harvey from the album Government is War. This is the Grocery Worker's Song. The grocery workers are strong and proud. See how our knives are worn. See how our backs are strong and how our hands are scuffed and torn. We stock your shelves with all the food that folks need to stay alive. Without our time and labor, half the middle class would. We mop your shelves, we stock your customers, we serve Our bodies test their limits here for less than we deserve And if you try to work us harder, we're going to kick your ass For we will fight this war forever for each other and our class The management is cutting corners, look how they pretend they care about the workers while they speed up production. And if you cut our wages, we're going to kick your ass. For we will fight this war forever for 
each other and our class. Yeah, we will wage a battle for the rights that we have earned. And we will build our union so that everyone is heard. And if you break our unity, we're going to kick your ass. For we will fight this war forever for each other and our class. And we will not be fooled by the AFL-CIO. Our union's not a union if we don't all share control. And if you try co-opting us, we're going to kick your ass. For we will fight this war forever for each other and our class. But when the boss is off, we slack all day and do our best to stall. We take our breaks for hours, but don't punch the clock at all. We talk amongst each other about how much we hate that boss And we eat whatever we want and totally ignore the cost The grocery workers are strong and proud See how our knives are worn See how our backs are strong and how our hands are scuffed and torn We're forming our own union this union's gonna last Cause we will fight this war forever For each other and our class I've got it together But not quite out into the weather It's a cold night when most of the city Is going to bed I'm shaking the cobwebs out of my head I'm working that third shift I guess it's alright I better get pushing It's midnight When I started working The first night I thought I'd be lonesome But I wasn't right The people on my shift They're friendly and strong As steady as heartbeats Going all night long You watch those old timers They really know how To make it on third shift I'm saying that now You know we get an extra 27 cents An hour for these Screwed up hours we keep While the president And his whole board of directors Making plenty more money being sound asleep while I'm making my peace rate all right as long as I'm pounding the whole damn night we watch for the sunrise welcome the dawn pretty soon clean the old machines and get on home we've got this one sewn up we're doing all right we're out in the sunlight Hey, I'll see you tonight, all bright. And that was the track Third Shift by Peggy Seeger from her album Where I Stand, Topical Songs from America and England. Peggy Seeger has a brand new album coming out at the beginning of April 2021. Releases on April 9th. It's going to be called First Farewell. Here's a piece on essential workers. This is written back a year ago, 
as I'm recording this. This was written April 21, 2020. Not long after the lockdowns began in the United States. This piece is written by William Spivy and is published at medium.datadriveninvestor.com. Are you essential, expendable, or both? As states, some much faster than others, prepare to restart the economy and send tens of millions of people back to work. We will soon find out who is essential and who is expendable. Some people had previously been deemed essential, though nothing in their paycheck or status in the hierarchy had ever suggested that before. Cashiers, fast food workers, bus drivers. Others we always thought of as essential, doctors, nurses, and first responders. COVID-19 is exposed that no matter your title, some consider you disposable as long as the beat goes on. The question as to what happens to those in nursing homes or in prisons has pretty much been answered. Expendable. The battle of restoring the economy versus human safety was lost before it ever began. Every element of power, the president, Congress, SCOTUS, federal judges, governors, mayors, the Justice Department, and law enforcement were by and large put in place and controlled by the rich and powerful. Streaks of independence are tolerated briefly, but inevitably those that go against the grain are worn down or replaced. In a system where corporations are people and money is speech, it was inevitable. People will be going back to work despite the risk because the money require them to. The status quo must be maintained. We will measure the cost after the fact, perhaps even praise the victims. Lives will be lost and families destroyed so that profits could be maintained. And unfortunately, we don't praise the victims. And more unfortunately, there are victims. There are truly essential jobs in terms of saving lives. Sending them into battle against the virus without proper PPE is also saying they're expendable. Choices were made despite warnings to ignore the coming storm. Masks, gowns, ventilators, and swabs, all these could have been available to meet the coming need. Decisions were made to hope for the best and not prepare for the worst. Lives were and are being lost due to a failure to respond. Yet no one takes responsibility. The food supply must be maintained, this is true. We've barely concerned ourselves with how our food is obtained. Hundreds of workers in meatpacking plants working side by side. Migrant workers harvesting crops, working in close proximity and sleeping in close quarters, sometimes dozens to a room. Grocery stores unloading multiple trucks a day, their employees stocking shelves, cutting meat, wrapping fruit, handling money. All these industries are rapidly hiring, not because of increased demand, but in anticipation of replacing the ill and the dead. The beat must go on. Here is David Rovix from the album Rebel Songs, essentially expendable. Pandemic is spreading 
The health system's collapsing. You can watch it all unfolding on the screen. If you're afraid to go outside, enough groceries to hide. It may have been weeks since you have seen someone you can touch and you miss it so much as you wonder what might happen next. Like when your savings run out and the choice is all about what kind of help you might be able to expect. Or perhaps when COVID arrived, while some struggle to survive, you were what they call essential. Didn't take long to see you got that wrong. The word they really meant was expendable. Didn't take long to see there was no emergency. Plans in place for something which all the scientists knew was just a matter of when there'd be a pandemic again. And the kleptocrats in power didn't have a clue otherwise why. Did Jason Hargrove die? Because he kept keeping on, waking before dawn to do his part for society. Jason drove his bus, he didn't even make a fuss at the time of the impropriety. Somebody coughed, the virus was off. Not two weeks later, Jason would be dead. What if he had protective gear with sick passengers so near with no barrier to protect his head? Why? Did Jason Hargrove die? Stay home, flatten the curve, they say, unless we need you to serve food for us or care for all the ill. In that case, we'll call you a hero, like the workers at Ground Zero, where one by one the cemetery fill. Now in every bus and truck, the drivers try their luck, essentially told. Thank you for your service, if these were the front lines, no one put up any signs. Did anybody sign up for this? Did Jason Hargrove die? Once the death rate peaks in days or months or weeks with each one of the viruses waves can take stock and recover from the shock of the sight of all of the mass graves. Will this be the impetus, this driver on a bus, along with so many, many more? The nurses and the prisoners, seafarers and farm workers, what will they all die for? Why did Jason Hargrove die? Did Jason Hargrove die?
Now somewhere there's a mother worried sick about her daughter Cause when she starts her shift she's set adrift on dark uncharted waters And you can say that she's a hero but her mom will tell you that she's just another lamb that's being sent to slaughter And that she'll be damned to see her baby girl be someone else's fodder and if it has to burn, then let it burn And she can smile at the shock on all the faces Of the people who could not be bothered Who couldn't think outside their sphere of needs and problems Shrug off someone else's fears And cannot feel enough to grieve another's losses well, They won't want to be around When the oppressed rewrite the message Cause it's eat the rich and skin your bosses Fuck around and find out you can try to earn a vote or burn a vote and count your losses But what you pass off as unity is something truly nauseous It's truly something toxic to a cause so truly conscious God, look at what we're fighting for Look inside the heart of who we fight to put in office and ask yourself just what could be in someone else's heart that makes them fight to try to stop this. <laughs> what makes them think that they could stop this? Oh, what a time to be so needed. What a time to be so used. I didn't know I was a soldier till the sacrifice was over and I didn't get to Wrapping up our set on Essential Workers, that was Jesse Jett from the album The Virus, with him for the Expendable. Here are a few words. These few words come in the form of an episode of my other podcast, People Are Revolting. This is Fast Food Workers, Strike for Protection and Adequate Pay. A sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. Welcome to People Are Revolting, a daily dose of disobedience. This story is written by Hamilton Nolan of In These Times and is published at popularresistance.org. The fast food industry has long insulated itself from organized labor by building a legal wall between the parent company and the individual franchised stores. That imaginary separation is being tested by the reality of the coronavirus pandemic. As McDonald's workers across the country have held strikes and walked out, unwilling to risk their lives for fries with no safety net. 
The fight for 15 has found fertile new ground in helping to organize fast food strikes in recent days. McDonald's workers in Los Angeles, San Jose, St. Louis, Tampa, Raleigh-Durham, and elsewhere have staged job actions this week. In a coordinated push for safer working conditions, paid sick leave, and hazard pay. Maria Ruiz, who has spent 16 years at McDonald's, was one of the workers who went on strike yesterday outside of her store in San Jose, California. Ruiz said that employees have been worried for their own health for the entire past month, watching the store's dwindling supply of hand sanitizer, gloves, and cleaning supplies. On some days, there was no hand sanitizer at all. Ruiz says employees were only recently granted permission to wear masks at work. Despite the fact that there are often more than a dozen people crowded into the store's lobby. Quote, we are tired of taking the risk, said Ruiz, who earns $16.35 per hour in a city that has one of the highest costs of living in the United States. McDonald's workers are asking for an extra $3 per hour hazard pay, along with adequate protective equipment, a guarantee of two weeks of paid sick leave for anyone who needs to quarantine, and a guarantee that the company will cover their health care costs if they get sick with COVID-19. Ruiz acknowledges that she needs to work in order to pay her bills, but said that she could no longer ignore the danger to her health. Quote, I'm kind of afraid to go on strike, she said, but I'm more afraid to lose my life. The Fight for 15 said that McDonald's workers are expected to stay away from work until their demands for protective equipment on the job are met. It seems likely that the country will see a steady, rolling procession of fast food walkouts in coming weeks, part of a nationwide strike wave that has been gathering momentum over the past month. Grocery workers, warehouse workers, factory workers, construction workers, and others who are directly exposed to the danger of infection on the job have walked out in protest, doubtful that their low wages make up for the risks they're taking. After a decade of organizing fast food workers, the Fight for 15 is well positioned to facilitate these types of job actions on short notice. One of the movement's key wins, a step that promised to make it significantly easier for organized labor to exert influence on a national scale in the fast food industry, came in 2015 when the Obama administration's National Labor Relations Board revised the Joint Employer Standard to make it easier to hold fast food companies like McDonald's responsible for the labor standards at their franchised stores. The Trump administration's NLRB rolled back that rule change, meaning McDonald's is once again able to keep a legal wall between the parent company and the behavior of its franchisees. In response to questions about employee walkouts in California, McDonald's referred to a letter from McDonald's USA president Joe Erlinger, promising to provide gloves, increased store cleaning, wellness checks for employees, and to send non-medical-grade masks to areas of greatest need. The company also sent a statement from the owner-operator of the store in Los Angeles where employees walked out this weekend, saying the store underwent thorough sanitization after a worker tested positive for COVID-19, and that workers who were in contact with that person were offered two weeks of paid quarantine leave. Though more visible essential workers, like grocery store employees, have successfully won hazard pay from a number of companies, 
fast food workers face a steeper challenge. They're forced to continue working by employer mandate and by economic need, but still viewed as non-essential by much of the public. Without intense public pressure or widespread work stoppages, it is easy for major fast food chains to continue with business as usual, offloading all of the risk onto those below them. Quote, We are essential workers, said Maria Ruiz, but my life is essential too. If you want to check out back episodes of People Are Revolting, just go to peoplearerevolting.com. You can also follow on Twitter at People Revolting. Keep revolting, and thanks for listening. If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on, the people are revolting. I think you just nailed it. And once again, that was an episode of my other podcast, People Are Revolting, a pretty close to daily uh, look at people out there fighting, people out there resisting, people out there putting themselves on the line in various ways to make their own conditions and the society a better place. That'll bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Dan O'Farrell and the Difference Engine. Here's a piece by Ged Baby, published at louderthanwar.com. I remember once I was traveling in the front passenger seat of a car being driven by Dan O'Farrell. It was a nice sunny summer's day and he was going to play at a 50th birthday due. It is an easy job being his roadie for a day when he plays solo without the difference engine. Heading towards the Midlands, a complete twat in a white van cut us up really badly, literally inches away from a collision. But what I was more gobsmacked about was Dan's reaction. Oh, hello, he said gently, as if a little robin had just unexpectedly flown down and perched on his arm and trilled a little tune at him. Anyone else would have let out a string of expletives as they wound down the window and waved a fist. But that is O'Farrell, a thoroughly mild-mannered fellow. It kind of explains also how he can write songs that are full of anger and passion, describing the horrendous state of the nation, or world, and man's inhumanity to man, and yet still sound calm, eloquently conversational and considered. He is the most charmingly polite protest singer you will ever hear. An English Michael Stipe with a dash of Jonathan Richmond, inhabited by the spirit of Woody Guthrie. Everyone should know his name and his songs. He should be a household name in Guardian Reader, Radio 4, left-leaning circles. His songs of privilege and guilt, love of life, belief in love, social justice, and so on, are wry, witty, intelligent, and self-aware. When he tackles life's conundrums in his songs, he mocks himself first. 
The topics on the album Richard Scarry Lied to Me seem to be more about Englishness, vulnerability, aging, and self-doubt. This despite his heroic effort to make a more upbeat album, which they have partially succeeded in doing. Dan has been writing songs for more than 30 years, and he knows he is good, and lack of wider success does seem to have got him. Quote, Am I wasting all my time pulling diamonds from the grime when all I want to feel is free to fulfill some kind of destiny? With musical nods to 19th Nervous Breakdown and Teardrop Explodes reward, the clues are sadly there. Another theme on the album is the slow erosion of hope and childhood positivity, hence the title, which he explains here. Quote, There may be a generation gap here, but if you grew up in the 70s, there is a high chance that your parents thrust a Richard Scarry book under your nose so you could find Lowly Worm on every page. And I did have that experience as a child myself. The books are delightful. Brightly colored depictions of anthropomorphized animals working in perfectly harmonious societies. A four-year-old me particularly loved What Do People Do All Day, which seemed to promise a utopian vision of urban life. The world used to seem safer, organized, and fair. But Richard Scarry lied to me. It's broken beyond repair. The utopia hasn't arrived yet. And Lowly Worm is dead in the bottom of a tequila bottle. Interesting take on that series of children's stories and how that ties back into the earlier piece of how we're propagandized into building a facade of what reality is. It doesn't start in the school. It doesn't start in the workplace. It is ubiquitous and permeates our society. Here is Dan O'Farrell and the Difference Engine from the album Richard Scarry Lied to Me with I Am Afraid. When I was young, I used to dream terrible dreams of war, disease and hunger and bombs dropping on me. And now I'm older, I feel I should be brave, but instead of feeling bolder, my fears just grow depraved. I am afraid of spiders crawling on my face and I'm afraid of the actions of the entire human race and I'm afraid of loneliness creeping up my spine and I'm afraid of Alzheimer's hollowing my mind the world used to look safer organized and fair but Richard's scary lied to me it's broken beyond repair so who is gonna save us and who is left to care? Whither 
The superheroes they promised would be there And I'm afraid of zombie armies raised up from the dead And I'm afraid of waters rising right over my head And I'm afraid of fascism continuing its rise And I'm afraid of dystopia's sudden rising tide And I'm afraid of profit motives overwhelming life And I'm afraid of acid Axes, guns and knives And I'm afraid of voices Drawing me to the edge And I'm afraid of looking down Upon my certain death Give me hope Or give me rope Enough to hang Some very lights The facts are hard to fathom so disguised and the news is just a program programming our minds Cause someone's making money from the burning trees and someone's already paid for the last clean air we'll ever breathe and I'm afraid Corporations turning me to me And I'm afraid of being organ harvested from my kidneys And I'm afraid of fires sweeping through the woods And I'm afraid of the bad guys wiping out the good And I'm afraid of monsters underneath my bed And I'm afraid of tumors growing in my head And I'm afraid of waking up and being left alone And I'm afraid of never getting back Every day 
Also coming off the album, Richard Scary Lied to Me, that was a track, No Deal. Here's a different piece, but also written by Ged Baby and also published at louderthanwar.com. This is a review of the Dan O'Farrell and the Difference Engine album, These Dark Ages Are Hurting All the People That We Love. Dan O'Farrell is a brilliant songwriter, one of the best in the UK. He's kind of Morrissey meets Michael Stipe via Billy Bragg and Jonathan Richman, without conspicuously copying any of them. But I have to add to that list Paul Heaton, as there are at least three occasions on this wonderful new LP where I was reminded of the beautiful South. Dan O'Farrell has an unerring ability to smuggle complex and political ideas into seemingly blithe and simple pop songs. Anyone who has seen any of his 100-odd gigs in Southampton and its catchment area over the past 18 months knows that Dan is the man, a thoroughly brilliant fellow in person and on stage. His extended band are wonderful musicians who frame his songs exquisitely. Despite resembling the American Gothic family Christmas gathering when photographed in black and white. This second album balances the personal and political even better than the first and has a natural flow. The time spent sweating over the right ordering of the track listing worth the effort. Because O'Farrell is a teacher, you always learn something from his songs. I now know how to pronounce quixotic correctly. It's chaotic, not quixotic. Amusingly, various media platforms have labeled the album explicit due to a solitary swear in the title of Shitbasket. It's the only whimsical song on the album and steals the musical intro to Street Band's Toast. O'Farrell's songs have been described as wry and sardonic and do have a very English reserve about them, but on this album's songs, Dan does seem to have found a way of expressing himself in a more direct and soulful way. 
There are still some cynical and melancholic moments, but These Dark Ages is a more rounded, complete work. The album's centerpiece song, The Revolution Will Not Be Trivialized, was written in a state of political despair. Why aren't people angrier? Are we drugged? Dreaming? Brainwashed? Here is The Revolution Will Not Be Trivialized. From the album, These Dark Ages Are Hurting All the People That We Love. The world is not our friend, why do we pay it? Just fails to provide anything we need. We walk in straighter lines than at any time before. Even more like herded sheep than those sent off for war. Self-interest prevails, trying to get us killed. 
waiting for the day to come Well, come too late for us We're waiting for the day to come Just waiting for the day to come We're waiting for the day to
rest of us to get out with the one percent the system only works because of selfish greed and it's built upon the backs of those in greatest need it's not the kind of system you should sign up to and we could change the system if you think so too We could change the system, if you think so, too. That will wrap up the uh, Dan Farrell and the Difference Engine set. That was off the self-titled album, Dan Dan O'Farrell and the Difference Engine. That track was Problems Inherent Within Global Capitalism. Reminding us, again, that the system wasn't built in a benevolent way. It's not the natural state of things. It was designed in specific ways for specific means. And those specific goals are to enrich certain portions of our society at the expense of others. Maybe I should say enrich certain people at the expense of other people. Those expendables. We might call them essential workers now. But we still don't treat them in that way because the way that our economic system, the way that capitalism was constructed and built and developed and reinforced is not to meet those needs of everyone, is not to make sure that everyone has a fulfilled, satisfying, comfortable life was built to extract wealth in whatever form. Wealth in the form of resources, wealth in the form of money, wealth in the form of used labor. And to benefit the owners at the expense of the workers. But in acknowledging that, in pointing that out often again and again, as many of the songs I feature do, Dan also points out that it's not it's not a natural order and we can change it. We can struggle and we can fight and it won't be easy and it hasn't proved easy and these systems are very entrenched and changing them is a, is a phenomenal task and we won't always succeed, but even when we don't succeed, we learn and we do make some movement. Speaking of not succeeding, this is Malvina Reynolds, not that she didn't succeed. She was uh, very successful and uh, very prolific. This is from the album Sings the Truth, I Don't Mind Failing. Bitches, I don't mind failing in this. 
this world And that'll just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can uh, follow Polyrical on Twitter at 
Polyrical. You can check out all the back episodes of Polyrical at Polyrical.com. You can also hear them playing 24-7 along with my other podcasts at MovingTrainRadio.com. Here is the band Alphabet Rockers. This is from a compilation album called Trans and Non-Binary Kids Mix. This track is We Royal. Thanks for listening. The liberators start with T, A to Z. The game changes, the ones who lead. The curious, the lonely races, brain hearted. Give up ever, no finish to what we started. In every culture, everywhere, ever since. The move makers, the won't quit. Your neighbors, your children, it's probably hard to read it. Believe it when you see it, Miss Major. Standing up for incarcerated sisters. Didn't really care if you called them Mr. Couldn't miss them. Miss Major. They are mother, father, daughter, son, healer, mender. But above all that, transgender. Culture keeper, love seeker. Lifting up all their people just like Who was leading all of Egypt on the regal? Queen and male clothes, plus a pharaoh. One of the greatest wonders of yesterday, today, tomorrow. The liberators start with T, A to Z. The game changes. The ones who need. The curious, the lonely races, brain party. Forever, no finish to what we started In every culture, everywhere, ever since The move makers, the won't quit Your neighbors, your children, it's probably hard to read it Believe it when you see it Fire, loud and prouder, a fighter Culture keeper, lift them higher and show them who The liberators start with T, A to Z The game changes, the ones who need The curious, the lonely races, brave hearted Give forever, no finish to what we started In every culture, everywhere, ever since The move makers, the won't quit Your neighbors, your children, it's probably hard to read it Believe it when you see it